going on down there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 557 of WTF at TFW. This is your host, Chris. Uh, <coughs> oh, no. Uh, this is your host, Chris, uh, Vangelis, uh, editor, uh, host, and uh, Canadian. So, uh, I went on a trip. This is actually going to be one of the things I answer. But I, I, anyway, all the podcast stuff fell behind for the last couple weeks uh, because of my trip to TFCon LA, which subsequently was also a trip uh, out to BC for Capital City Comic Con. Uh, and then I got home and then uh, was kind of like uh, non-functional for most of, uh, of the rest of the week when I got back and then got busy again, etc. So here we are. Uh, I wasn't able to record with Seth, and I said, don't worry, uh, I'll, I'll do a recording with someone else, it'll be fine. Uh, now it's Thursday, uh, and tomorrow I'm recording with uh, Aaron and TJ, so uh, this doesn't matter to any of you, but... Oh, wait, am I recording? Am I recording? Good? Okay. Just double-checking. Uh, the design of this recorder is that I can't see if it's recording when I'm talking into it, because, uh, you know, smart stuff like that. Anyway, the way that my brain works is I have to get a recording done for every week, even if it's not in the week where it has to happen, there has to be one that exists for each week. And uh, it was going to freak me out a little bit if I didn't have something done before I recorded with uh, Aaron and TJ, because that's my problem. But is this really is this really recording? We good? Yeah, we're good. Uh, I went on to Twitter and basically I had all these lofty ideas of like what I could do for this thing, but then like whatever. Uh, and something else happened. So I went onto Twitter and I typed out a tweet that says, Random question, what are some entirely Transformers relevant topics I don't cover often enough on WTF and TFW? And then when I got roughly 10 replies, uh, maybe 11, and 5 likes, uh, I, I said, that's 10 replies, so thank you, this is now being filed away. None of these folks know what I was doing with this. Um, they, they are now going to be the topic list for this solo recording. Just a quickie. You know, because I'm probably in the midst of farting out the four other recordings uh, that I have yet to edit. Uh, it's just what happens. You know, whatever. Passes the past. Uh, shouts out to the five likes as of this recording. Uh, Kiryu DK, uh, CNC Rick 56, uh, Canon Jet 16, uh, Middlefinger Studios, no, Studios, Middlefinger Studios, which I think is meant to stand for Middlefinger Studios, and... Uh, Robo Apollo, uh, shouts out all on Twitter, by the way, those are, those are all twitter.com slash, um, so I, I, oh man, actually, I actually, I answered one of these questions on Twitter, but we're going to answer it here anyway. Uh, so I'm just going to go from top to bottom as Twitter presents it to me, which is of course completely out of order. So maybe I'll go out of order as well, but uh, to kick things off, skating shark, uh, says a topic I don't cover enough is red alerts, rather impressive human collection, which as I understand was a bit that we did that I can't remember anymore, but the way I recall it is because Red Alert in G1 is is uh, British and uh, and has sparks coming out of his head, which means he's eccentric and weird and possibly insane. Uh, we had this whole part where he would collect humans the way humans would collect toys. Uh, and then I was thinking about it while I was making my sandwich tonight, and I thought, what if the logical extension of this is that Red Alert uh, is now wearing humans as accessories. Like, he just takes, like, a... You know how, how his mold sibling, right? Sideswipe in G2 has that bandolier. I was like, what if Red Alert for G2 just took a bunch of humans and, like, physically hooked them together into a bandolier uh, and wears it? And, you know, maybe some of them are not quite alive. 
Uh, maybe a couple of them are a little bit inside out, but Red Alert's happy with it. Uh, and then I sat there thinking about the visual and how all the blood and viscera would play a stark contrast against his uh, stark white chest. And I thought, isn't it a shame Red Alert never had a G2 color scheme that I can remember? I don't remember if he had one of those, you know, box arts that made it out there, but, you know, never had a toy to go with it. Anyway, I think Red Alert's rather impressive human collection would turn into Red Alert's rather impressive human collection, the accessorized collection, you know, little earrings that are people that he's jammed into his sides of his head, uh, a hat, which is like four people he squished up into a ball and then mashed down on top of his head until they stuck, um, Red Alert's uh, evening slippers, uh, an assortment of, lar- of, of, of people that he has jammed his robot feet into. Uh, and he walks around leaving trails everywhere. Anyway, uh, this is what you signed up for uh, when you answered this question. Next up, this one's a bit more of a meaty one. This comes from General Techno, who says, what about taking a look at what the customizers are up to these days? Or even maybe bringing up stuff like some of the fanzines that crop up every so often. Pardon the noise. Every now and then I'm going to stand up to make sure this is still recording. So, what are customizers up to these days? When I think of customizers, uh, with quite a bit of bias. My brain immediately goes over to Grimlockimus, who has a fantastic Omega Spream that apparently is going to be in the charity auction at TFCon Toronto, which I, I, you know, if you get in my way, you're an obstacle uh, when it comes to acquiring that thing. Here's the thing, though. Whenever people talk about the auction, like, oh, I can't wait to, excuse me, can't wait to bid you up to like 600 bucks. I don't have 600 bucks. So, at some point, if you bid me up, then, like, I hope you enjoy your $600 custom that you got that, that I'm going to be sad that I don't have. Uh, it, it's all for the kids, so whatever. But I also uh, do not have as much money as I think some folks talking about this thing think I have. So, uh, you know, they can have fun. But uh, all that... I was going to say all that all that smarminess aside. It's not even smarmy. That's just me issuing threats. Uh, all that aside, Grimlockimus' stuff is, is stuff that just makes me excited because it's relevant repaints that he does really fast with very durable paint that can survive the figure being handled. And, uh, and that makes me pleased. Also, you know, I immediately think of, of our boy Malwave who did up customs of the, uh, the even team combiner that we thought up. The only one I actually remember is softball, the ice cream truck. And that might be two of them whose identities I'm mashing together. Cause no one writes any of this down. So I, uh, I have trouble recalling all of our bits, but that's where my brain immediately goes with customizing. I know there's plenty of other stuff going on. In fact, I had an idea for this bit. I'm going to go on to uh, TFW Radicons right now. I'm just going to type Radicons and see what happens if I... Uh, yeah, Radicon Customs. It's right here. Good SEO, TFW2005. Let's see what's at the top here. Uh, Beast Hunters Valkyrie RC. This is from 2013? But has edits from 2019? Excuse me. <laughs> this is This is just a project. This is uh, someone who has built some wings into RC that work in the alt mode and the vehicle and the vehicle mode and the robot mode. They've got a, a boat. This is by Ver- Verboten. Verboten has made or is, is maintaining this post about a custom that dates back to 2013. I love this. That's awesome. 91 replies so far. Most recent post today by Verboten. Less than an hour ago. Hang on. What's the new one? I got to scroll down. Uh, that was a video about... Man, oh, man. That is cool. Uh, 
Oh, this masterpiece Bumblebee comparisons in the background. Okay, uh, next thread. Studio Series 38 with touch-ups and new heads. Someone did up a more G1-y head with some paint touch-ups on the new Studio Series Optimus from Bumblebee. That looks cool. That's something I always want to do with Studio Series figures, is just go into all that metallic, or non-metallic, but sculpted greeble, and paint it metallic. Uh, anyway, those are the top two things I saw. Uh, oh, what's this? 3D printed BotBot saver. It's a 3D printed BotBot who turns into a USB key. That's ingenious. Who's this by? This is by Waffle. And uh, that Studio Series Prime, by the way, was by Nemesis Jazz. So that, I don't, that that's where I, my head is with customizing. If it's not on my Twitter feed, I kind of just... I kind of just roll with it. There, there was also some cool stuff, like all those like Combiner Wars had a whole lot of really cool team projects that I saw uh, coming out of, um, actually a lot of times coming out of uh, the Japanese fandom on Twitter. Um, as for fanzines, what is the name of that fanzine I was just recently thinking about? I don't know fanzines terribly well. I'll state up front. However, at TFCon Chicago 2018, uh, I saw the tour de force that was the fanzine group that moved in on the TCG space when it was their turn in the schedule. Granted, that was more, I think, than just fanzines, but it was still very impressive. And I have seen some very cool, and I th I've acquired a couple uh, very cool zines. Uh, the newest one that I heard about as I scroll down this Twitter feed, where I know that the fanzine came up, is right here. Uh, Snapshots fanzine. This is Snapshots TF Zine on Twitter. Uh, 80 plus page zine of art, fiction, and cosplay inspired by and celebrating the end of the IDW G1 continuity. Uh, TFFanzine.bigcartel.com is the link. There's a bunch of different options if you want to pick one up. It's, uh, I believe, 25 uh, GBP pounds for a physical copy, 40 GBP pounds for a bundle that has a bunch of extra stuff. Uh, there are some cool people working on this off the top of my head. Uh, the fantastic creative duo of Crin Sin and Daily Durian Albi Lim uh, hooked up to do a six-page story that... Uh, what I'll say is, I think it's going to turn out quite cool. Uh, so, yeah, zine stuff, I think, is incredible. Uh, it's sort of outside the purview of a lot of this podcast uh, a lot of the time because it's just outside of our wheelhouses, except for when people show me them on social media. Uh, so when it comes to putting podcast topic lists together, it's kind of like, send it in in a listener question and then we'll talk about it. There's the spoiler. That's how you get things under the podcast topic list, because... Uh, Usually we're just kind of like grabbing some news. We're talking about toys we got. Uh, then an event happens and we talk about the new toys for a bit. And we're kind of just cruising along like that. So when it comes to things like customs and zines, like inject them into us is what I'll say. Uh, there are a lot of people working on snapshots zine. Anyway, uh hope that that covered a little bit of that world for you. Uh, General Techno, where are we at here? We're at... Oh, we're at like t oh, just over 10 minutes on my recording. Jiminy Cricket, we are cruising along at the pace I was hoping for. Uh, let's see. Now, here's the one I answered. This comes from Mantis99s, who says, Has WTF been uploading? I've missed it somehow. Looks like the last one was March 12th. I also got a DM from someone who was worried the podcast was over. So, as I was mentioning, uh, when I was on the long trip that included TFCon LA, uh, I, I thought I would just get editing done in my downtime, and then when I was already about to fly back to Toronto, and I was like, I didn't get anything edited, I sat there for a second and was like, I also didn't really, like, spend more than about an hour sitting in place at any one time where I wasn't doing something, so I kept busy on that trip, and unfortunately that meant I didn't actually keep up with editing anything, but, you know, it happens. There's a time and place to get really hung up about having podcast stuff come out in a timely manner. That's when it's the focus of your life. 
and we've mentioned it a few times before, WTF and TFW is a thing that we like doing, but it's not the focus for really any of us. Uh, it's, in some cases, I think it's like, you know, the main fandom-y thing that one contributes to, but we are kind of operating on a casual level right now that keeps us all happy, and if there was some way to see this as being as valuable as working on video stuff, uh, I think that my energy for it would be a lot harder, but it's, it it is very much a thing I enjoy recording more than I enjoy editing, and I've I've tried to make the editing a lot less intensive, but then things happen. We'll have a conversation where I know I want to tweak the flow of it, or if we have a a guest on, I want to tweak their flow, because, you know, it sucks when you guest, I think it sucks if you guest on a podcast, you nerve, you get nervous about it, you go to listen to it, and you hear yourself kind of doing a lot of uhs and pauses, and if it's someone who's not on here very often, I'll sometimes try to clean up their track a little bit, just so they sound cooler. Uh, That's just, it's my personal preference as as an editor because that way i get my chance to flex a bit of editing practice without doing it constantly week to week but uh you know we're we're always changing like we're we're actually just now trying out this thing of doing some on top of what we got at the front of the podcast because someone said they liked it the one time we did it kind of as a gag and flow wise it, it, it is a nice shift you know i like i like changing this thing i'm not attached to doing the podcast a certain way uh so much as i am just generally resistant to change because i'm lazy uh i don't know if even lazy is fair um i'm trying to be less de- less self-deprecating uh and a little bit more self-loving as a practice for this year it's not a, it's not a new year's resolution it's just a thing i happen to decide on the first of january uh two different completely separate things so uh, by the time you're hearing this, I've caught up again, and uh, those podcast roundtables, I don't think I have a good copy of the audio for the Sunday, so uh, if you've heard it, then I probably came to the decision of just using what I have and putting it out at the same time as the Friday one and just gliding along. Uh, and I think when it comes to making media, when you're the one doing the work at a certain point, especially when it is entirely a voluntary thing, uh, just do what works for you and just kind of... Maybe let a couple of them just get out there. They're not perfect, whatever. It's something you're at least recording every week or two. And eventually they all become part of the history. Which leads us to somewhat this next bit. By the way, thank you, Mantis999s. Why do I keep throwing extra nines in your name? Your name is Dan, as far as the display name. Mantis99s, thank you for participating unwittingly in uh, in my little topicless generation practice. Uh, the next one I got here which flows a bit off that, is from Maddie, staying in a box. In a box, in the box. Maddie, who I saw for about five seconds at TFCon LA, and then as I was flying back home, I was like, man, I, I said, like, hello to Maddie, and that was it. And that's a bummer. Maddie, staying in the box, uh, has been a part of TFW for quite a while, and it's one of my favorite folks that I almost never get to talk to, because um, he's so cool. So, uh... What Maddie uh, offered up here, which I think is a real solid suggestion, uh, is would you consider doing roundtables around a specific topic? Like beyond news, there's recurring themes in the fandom, scalpers, sealed versus open, age gaps and collectors, etc. I think it'd be interesting to have an episode dedicated to this every so often. So what I'll say is I feel like we do that when we get a listener question that invites the topic. That's sort of become the way we get into those sort of roundtable topics without admittedly doing an entire podcast around them. But we'll get a question about uh, dealing with toxic people in the fandom, dealing with scalpers, whether or not to open stuff, uh, being a young collector, being an old collector. Uh, And I feel like those are times where we, we... collectively tend to jump on that as an opportunity to, to kind of bounce the topic around a little bit. Um, 
the the part where I'm not sure I would dedicate a whole episode to it is simply it was always the plan that like, hey, whenever there's no news, uh, we'll do that. But then it turns out either there's news or when there's no news, we have stuff we want to talk about anyway, either what we got this week or listener questions that end up filling in that gap. So mostly due to, to the combination of the listener questions we receive and the oddly consistent news cycle of Transformers, a single franchise, I should add, uh, it's never ended up having the downtime. Uh, we could do them as bonus episodes or additional episodes. The main thing there is uh, none of us really want to record multiple episodes all that often if we can avoid it uh, due to just all of our increasingly busy lives, especially right now. Basically, I think... I think, and he probably will get angry if I say this, but I think it's true. I think myself and Aaron have the the least affected schedules right now, uh, kind of. But otherwise, like that's that's why, for instance, we don't really have a set recording day anymore because it just it works out better for us to, to sort it out casual style. Someday that might shift around. Someday we might try doing some more outside of the box stuff. I like doing outside of the box stuff. I just. It, tur- it turns into a thing where I really like the idea of doing it, and then after we finish recording, I'm like, ah, crap, now I got more stuff to smack together and make postings of. And, uh, you know, one way that I've been tricking myself into getting more into doing stuff like that is is cross-posting chunks of it onto my YouTube channel, where I feel like I'm at least uh, making use of something that I'm uh, spearheading the generation of uh, in on my own platforms, to use a bunch of lousy words. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But right now, a lot of that stuff, I think, tends to get covered by the listener questions we receive. Uh, I'll also just quickly touch on all of them. Scalpers. Uh, they do still happen. And really, the, the main thing is, do you do, like do you as a consumer engage with, with it or not? And also, the definition of scalper. Uh, it gets thrown around a lot. It gets thrown around usually when someone's mad that they can't get a thing for cheap, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. Uh, toy swappers, for instance. They are, they are kind of a scourge in some areas, but only some areas, the ones that usually post photos of them. And I, I don't believe they're scalpers because, you know, they're, well, they're leaving the packaging behind, so I doubt they're reselling the loose toy. But um, I've seen it said where someone's like, you know, hey, I drove around town, I picked up some stuff, I'd like to sell it for a $10 markup, and people are like, you scalper! And it's like, without sounding too uh, capitalistic about it, like, people's money is worth time. Maybe that's actually the complete antithesis of capitalist culture i don't know but people's money is worth time like i'll always think to uh to to long time i'm just gonna say long time podcast ally i'm not sure if she still listens but mirai baby was doing a whole lot of, of um sdcc convention exclusive uh toy running for folks for a couple years and there were there were times where people were just really un unthankful and and wanting stuff at complete one-to-one proxy buy prices no tips no additional you know payments no no markups for for the time spent the lineups waited in etc and i just i can't agree with that um tom chu uh over on uh, on toku nation uh also was you know often uh with with a hookup that he that he had for some time uh helping folks get tamashi tamashi web exclusives and i know i saw on twitter a couple times where he was like I've got a whole bunch of these left over because people backed out after I'd already ordered the damn things. And uh, it's not nice to, you know, it's e- I think it's become easy to treat your peers as a store uh, in like the mindset that they are no longer a person, but a store. Uh, once they, they start becoming a vaguely regular avenue to pick up things through. Um, 
it hasn't happened to me, but there have been times where, like, because I've, I've been selling at the local toy shows more often, uh, and sometimes people are going, like, do you got any any extra stock in back? Or, like, are you going to be, uh, are you going to have a, a selection of etc. at the show? And I'm kind of like, everything I'm selling is stuff I had extras of or that, like, they were dupes from candy toys. They're just things I don't really want. Like, I'm actually still, I'm still just the per- the toy collector selling their, their, uh, I guess unwanted or stuff that just doesn't fit into the collection anymore. Unwanted is, is too much of a broad stroke, but basically toy collector with a table. Uh, and you still sometimes get people kind of wanting to, to use the mindset that, well, when you're running the table, you're a store and I'm the customer. And I just can't agree with that. Speaking of someone who's also the customer half the time, like treat people like humans when they're humans. Also do that to people in service industries for crying out loud. Like, I don't know. That's a whole other rant. Those are the kind of things. Speaking of editing podcasts, those are the kind of things when I get carried away, sometimes I'll I'll sleep on it, then wake up the next morning, think to myself, maybe I should cut that part out, and then like five days later go like, oh god, I haven't edited the podcast yet, and I gotta cut that part out, and I have to listen to the whole thing, because I don't remember where I said it, uh, and then usually no one cares if I leave it in, but when you're the editor, you have a very tunnel vision feeling about things, I find, uh, and that that's one of the ones I have. Sealed versus Open. I think that is, uh, I think sealed collectors seem a lot more rare nowadays. There are a lot of people who become unintentional sealed collectors when you see the person, you know, who tweets like, hey, I got these five toys I bought eight months ago. I haven't opened. Whoops. It's it's happened to me with at least one or two things, I think. But I don't really know that many sealed collectors anymore. Whenever I think sealed collectors, I think the, the venerable collection of one uh, Elvin Pina. But uh, I believe that he um, and his whole family who were all collecting, I think they all kind of checked out uh, some years ago. Uh, the Sealed versus Open, I guess one one other reason why I feel weird doing that as a roundtable is none of us on the podcast are really Sealed collectors. Therefore, we have we, we lack the, the viewpoints to actually discuss Sealed versus Open because none of us have anything that's Sealed. So... <laughs> If we were to do, like, a roundtable about that, it would be us, like, making guesses about sealed collectors for, like, an hour. Which I guess could be funny unless you're a sealed collector, in which case it's, like, borderline abusive. Um, Age Gaps and Collectors is one that actually I I like the opportunity to talk about that at TFCons when I do, uh, for instance, like, a Why Do We Collect panel or the podcast roundtable when we get folks from varying age groups all in one place to at least briefly discuss it. I think the Age Gaps and Collectors is really uh, cool. Um, there's always a habit to want to shy away from usually the younger generation than yourself. And in a a niche hobby like this, to me, uh, right now, anyway, I don't know if I always felt this way, but the the other Chris's don't matter. They're dead. I'm the one who's alive. I'm the one who won. Uh, I think that like having some kind of connection with, with, newer generations in your in your same hobby is kind of important it's it's for among other reasons it's it's an ability to communicate with a younger generation over a shared interest that through that you get some insight into like what a younger generation is like right now uh it's one of my favorite things about social media for all of its faults it also lets me like at least you know with with the veneer that it's primarily through the the veil of toy collecting and transformers but I got like this vague idea of what some of a younger generation think about now, and I, I'm I'm so much more interested in doing that than watching from a distance and guessing about the stuff I don't know, and often also going like they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, that's just me though. Um, 
and that was all the topics you suggested. So I turned yours into a couple topics. I hope you don't mind that I, I peeled open uh, the onion skin uh, that is Maddie staying in the box's tweet there. Maddie staying in the box. But I can't resist it. You ask good questions. And, and you also, as I mentioned before, you are very cool. Uh, this next one's a shorty. This comes from S. King Blue, who says, Are there different flavor Energon cubes? Absolutely. The classic, uh, you know, almost white but slightly purpley glowy one, that's kind of the baseline. And I know a lot of people are going to say, like, oh, strawberry, or uh, or even worse, oh, cherry, or even, even worse, oh, it's got to be berries of some kind, because it's kind of red. All right, listen up. I know that there are people in the candy-consuming community who will disagree with this, but they're, you know, criminals. Uh, and perverts. But the best candy is uh, based on citrus. Citrus is the root of all good flavors. And so, to me, Energon is obviously a citrus uh, flavor. Different kinds of citrus. Your classic pink Energon, of course, is going to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a of a, of a bouquet, a little, little bit more sweet, a little bit more bubbly. But then you get into, like, your green Energon. That's that's lime. If you're going to try to tell me green Energon stuff isn't citrus, then, like, like I said, you're probably a criminal and a pervert. So, Green Energon, clearly lime. Uh, when you get into, you know, stuff like your red and your oranges, that's where you get into all the different kinds of, like, grapefruit and orange stuff you can get into. Now, granted, when you go to grapefruit, you get a little bit too bitter, and I don't care much for bitter. I like sour without the bitter. That's why I have, like, a love-hate relationship with lemons to this day. Like, we talk, but, like, when one of us says to the other one, uh, hey, why don't why don't we go hang out uh, away from the crowd? We both kind of will end up going, like, uh, uh, not with you, no. But, uh... Yeah, citrus, basically. Uh, all different kinds of sweet and tang, uh, but the citrus part is the important part. We got one here from uh, Nico Mectavius on Twitter, uh, saying, talking about the more obscure toy lines and uh, bird of weird fiction. I'm guessing the autocorrect stepped in there. Uh, like Robot Masters and Zone. Um, and, of course, talking toy design history and fun, weird development stuff, like the prototype toys for animated for characters that were scrapped, like Rhinox and concept art. I feel like we talk about this stuff when it's relevant and often when it's, like, me and Aaron who remember too much of that nonsense. Um, but, yeah, unprompted. It doesn't usually... Like, like usually it's just kind of... If the prompt feels like it pops up, I guess, and then that's where it comes from. There was, a, I feel like, a period in the early years of this podcast where we talked a whole lot about Robot Masters. Like, hang on. I got a stainless steel bendy straw in my Diet Coke here. Give me a sec. Mmm. That, by the way... If you ever hear that noise, that's my stainless steel bendy straw in my glass. Uh, but yeah, I feel like early on, or in the early days, there was some there there was a time where we were talking a whole lot more about robot masters. Um, I feel like that was a very gog dog topic, and I don't know why. And I'm probably just attributing it to him because he's not a regular podcaster anymore, and that's just like my brain is like filing names with topics that are not ones that come up very often. I don't know. Uh, that's a Diet Coke for you. You know, it's, it's, it's addling my mind, but giving me a sense of clarity. But, uh, yeah, the obscure toy line, like Robot Masters, uh, the toys everyone talks about in Robot Masters are actually are the least interesting ones, because it's, it's the part where there is a canon to Robot Masters that includes all those, like, beast repaints that all come with those weird new weapons that barely attach to them, and all the weapons could combine into a thing, and then we all forgot about it the moment they were just making, like, Victory Saber. Um... Zone's probably going to come up again if any of us get big-powered. Like, I've got one sitting in a pile of loot, but I don't ship my big, bad pile of loot for, like, months at a time, so I don't know when I'll talk about it. But uh, that, that's, that, that sounds like the kind of thing an Aaron might get. Aaron might get big-powered. 
you know, what with his noted lack of space and then that he still has stuff he's trying to sort through and probably, I think he actually said he's not getting it, but, you know, he's probably going to get it. Um, toy design history stuff, like, that's another thing. Send us more listener questions relating to toy design stuff. Uh, usually I tend to orient those towards me and Aaron because that's just my bias. And I, you know, I put people into pockets and into into little boxes. But, uh, like, I, I think that we once talked about those prototype uh it wasn't animated it was when animated was heroes those prototype figures i I think those those first appeared in images we could see after this podcast started in 08 so uh yeah a concept art is something that i tend to when a huge amount of it starts coming out and especially when it's live action movie related i tend to glaze over it a little bit uh i admit as 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 kind of a practice because often there's like one or two really interesting images in there but they're only like tertially interesting like i'd rather just bank those from we're talking about more relevant topics and go like did you all see the concept art of the whatever the toaster or or stuff like that uh which reminds me that bumblebee thing we we still got a podcast about the bumblebee movie like i now i have the blu-ray i don't have an excuse except for my aforementioned like complete lack of time uh and it's a lack of time i should let's just talk about me a little bit because i'm by myself they can't stop me uh my time management skills are not very good. Uh, they're a thing I'm still learning. Uh, and unfortunately, the editing the podcast tends to like occupy a, a more bottom tier bracket uh, compared to working on video stuff or trying to like organize my life. Uh, the upside is when I do edit the podcast, it usually doesn't take super long. It's just very easy. Th- something I tend to do, uh, and hey, let me know if you do this too, if you're a creative. I tend to work up in my head that doing something pretty straightforward is going to take 10 times longer than it really will. And then I give myself an anxiety attack and then order a pizza and fall asleep uh, and then wake up feeling terrible in the morning. So, okay, granted, I don't do all of that every single time because I'm still alive. Uh, If I did that, I I think I would be dead if I did uh, an entire pizza every single time that happened. But uh, that, that tends to be one of the roots of what I do. I got, I got some real bad, uh, I got some real bad stuff with that, uh, between that and like the, the whole, uh, self-diagnosed imposter syndrome nonsense. Uh, that's all stuff I'm still working out, but I'm not giving up. That's the main thing. I'm still here. Uh, oh, my MacBook got dim. I'm not actually recording on the MacBook. I, why did I leave it open? I saw what the episode number is. I'm closing you. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, thank you, uh, Mectavius, for that, uh, piece of input that you didn't know was going to be a topic in this podcast. What are we at? What are we at? What's our time? What's our time? 30 minutes. This is easy. Truck versus gun says, I'm not caught up, so I don't know if it's been covered, but discussing display philosophies, the hosts and others would be a good listen. We had a listener question about that pretty recently. I feel like it's a listener question we tend to get with, with, you know, that, what I would call semi-regularity, which is like once every three or four years, um, but display philosophies, like right now, we're all, you know, going through our stuff. Like I've talked about, I have a weird one. I actually kind of like just keeping stuff stored in stackable storage containers that are very clearly labeled. Uh, I, I have like some bookshelf display, but I don't really consider that the feature, nor do I consider that the final fate of a figure. Uh, that's not really a quality I tend to ascribe to a figure. How does it look on a shelf? Uh, this is not really that important to me. And I also just don't have a ton of space for shelving and whatnot. Uh, and I like having stuff, uh, stored away, like, like reference material. Uh, it's just it's personal quirk, but like TJ had his shelves. He's been emptying them out a whole lot, but I think a part of that is that he's also figuring out what stays on them. Uh, someday Aaron's got a 
organize his stuff. I think that he has, he's not in the similar spot as me, but when he talks about it, I'm talking about the host while they're not here, by the way. So, uh, you know, they, I hope they listen to this. If they don't, then, you know, that's, 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 that's actually quite literally their problem. That's not even me being facetious, but I get the impression when Aaron talks about, uh, like organizing through some of his, uh, you know, backlogged collection. Uh, it is a little daunting. And I know that feeling like that's like, there's a whole lot of stuff I still have back in BC. Uh, that is sort of a lot. It is a lot more organized than it used to be, but it always kind of, it's, it's kind of like this giant that's always looming at me whenever I'm over there. Um, and, uh, as for Seth, like Seth has gotten a very kind of polar opposite to a bunch of us. I think he's got a very like set, sort of like there's there's room for stuff to be in storage but for the most part he wants his his stuff to have a place in some very set display space that does not take up a huge amount of room and there's a lot of people uh as they you know clear the 30 mark in their age bracket that tend to move towards that it's it's sort of like the uh, not everyone obviously and i'm never going to say everyone because i tend to loudly say i'm an exception to everything because i'm a special but I've seen a lot of folks who clear the 30 bracket go in the direction of either this intensely curated tiny display or I bought a house so now I finally get to have my with just giant dripping eye rolling air quotes with my fingers as I say it. My man cave. Uh, and then, you know, building like a, a giant. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I just think man cave is like a horrifying word. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. It's not even the same. Well, I guess it is sort of similar to how I hate chug as, as an abbreviation. It just sounds like like herfy derfy uh, sweaty words that we made up and then decided our lingo, except they sound terrible. Man cave sounds awful uh for all kinds of reasons but it is part of the lexicon you can't yell at someone for you know speaking as the natives do i suppose but also let's all try to stop saying man cave for god's sake uh but yeah display philosophies one other thing i'll throw in about that off the top of my head is the notion of the rotating display versus the eternal display uh the eternal display is when people are like this needs to have a place on the shelf where it shall live forever because I'm never moving, I guess. Uh, or the rotating display, which is like kind of my dream for if I ever had like really uh, wide amounts of dedicated display space would be like, I want to make displays. And this is kind of in tandem with how I want to have a lot of my collection like in just organized storage is uh, aside from like, I like it as reference material in a sense, or like, you know, re ta referenceable tactile things to keep on a desk and rotate around there. It's like coming up with cool shelf displays where you don't have the burden of thinking that's how they have to now live for the rest of their lives in my possession is like you come up with a cool shelf display and then after however whatever x amount of time you put them back and file them back away into storage put up a new neat display i think that would be really cool i love it when store windows do that cherry bomb toys over in victoria bc home of the canadian national toy museum fyi are real cool about doing that, like rotating their front window display uh, every now and then. So like most of the time that I, I go by there, you know, every, every, you know, two or three times a year that I'm back out West, like it always seems fresh to me. And I, I think that's really cool. They do that with the toy museum as well, uh, which by the way, you should go check out if you get the chance. It's a very solid and impressive, like second floor collection of toy history. It's really cool. Uh, so anyway, truck versus gun. That was yours. We got one here from uh, display name is too much coffee painting. There's a little B for the icon, but the Twitter name is Drakenfels Zex Zex Zex, uh, who says heel articulation. So uh, heel articulation, unsung hero of photography. Let me tell you. And like, when I say that, that's even something as simple as the heel flap. 
uh, you know, the what we tend, and I feel like I'm partly responsible for this, what we kind of mistakenly call the heel spur, because it's not always a spur, it's just the heel. Uh, when it can fold down, like, and usually, like, folding down might even be part of the transformation. When it can fold down as a sort of quiet tripod leg on the back of one foot, so that foot can be, like, off the ground slightly, but from certain angles, it just looks like it's mid-stride or whatever. That's a piece of heel articulation I think is huge. And if that thing can also twist independently of the front part, that can be really cool. Granted, when the heel moves independently from the toe section, that can also be bothersome uh, in practice, as there are now multiple things you have to move to get the foot to tilt. But heel articulation. I think it's important. I think it's an unsung hero. I think, much like editors... Good heel articulation is doing stuff that you don't notice when you see the photo or the video, uh, as as the layman who's looking at it. Uh, Pat in the back to the editor industry that I am. I am a part of it. However, I was about to say that I pretend to be a part of it. I literally am an accredited editor, and I'm still doing this. Anyway, uh, this podcast, by the way, I guess is... I'm recording this kind of late, and I'm just sort of doing my... I, I turned on the muscle in my brain when I do live streams on YouTube where I'm just able to, like, to talk. Uh, without waiting for other people to do so. Uh, and it always ends up turning into these weird, like, like semi-venting sessions. I'm keeping it real here on WTFTF double uh, and I'm not going too deep into that, best I can. But, yo, also, you're listening to a shorty here, and uh, it's a special episode, because it's a panic filler episode. <laughs> anyway, we got one here from uh, Dr. Ed, Foot Doc, right after I was talking about heels, uh, who says, the precursors to Transformers. And we got an animated GIF of the GoBot Turbo converting into his vehicle form. Uh, yeah, the GoBots are great. Um, the cartoon, not a very good cartoon, but its high points are actually quite high. And uh, it, its good episodes are, in my opinion, for that era, from Hanna-Barbera, quite good. At Two Psychill. Uh, did the Optimus Megatron monomyth origin story well before... Boy, my throat. Well before uh, Transformers ever did. Uh, and also, vocal performances in there. There's a bunch of corny ones, but, like, nothing... Ma- Copter is scary. Uh, and Crasher and Psykill, there are no equivalents to them in Transformers, as far as I'm concerned. At least in G1. Uh, Psykill, unmatched... That dude got pipes, and that dude got gravitas that I think we didn't really get to see in G1 Transformers in that particular form. Uh, by the way, while I'm here, why don't we talk about Tom Scioli's GoBots comic, because I finished it. Um, and I'll preface, I'm not going to go into like deep spoilers. I'll preface by saying I got two issues into Tom Scioli's G.I. Joe versus Transformers, and it utterly did not connect with me. And I don't think it's because it's weird, because uh, IDW Deviations G.I. Joe with the incredibly Go Nagai-esque artwork and the the completely demented Cobra Commander story in it. Uh, I loved that, and I just sort of pointed at that as, like, that's what that's the weird I wish G.I. Joe versus Transformers was. Tom Scioli is going for something obviously aesthetic uh, in, in the approach of, like, it, it looks like a mixture of classic, like, I, I would say Silver Age comics mixed with, like, like pack-in mini-comics mixed with packaging art, uh, right down to the storytelling and scripting style. So I didn't, I just didn't click with G.I. Joe versus Transformers. A lot of people were like, isn't it great that it's weird? And then, like, I don't know how to not sound kind of like an asshole when I'm, like, going, it's weird, but, like, weird is a nuanced gradient of which I believe I am at a different end of the spectrum in my tastes. So, GoBots, here's the thing I liked about it. GoBots has super cool bullet points in the plot. GoBots has, uh, and it's attempting to actually tell, like, sequential story in most of its panels. 
G.I. Joe versus Transformers, from what I saw, often went for the splash look, uh, whereas the GoBots comic Tom Zioli did was, in fact, to a detriment, trying to be very sequential in storytelling. The way I would describe the book is it read like I was reading storyboards. Uh, and it's not like I, this is and this. I'll preface this. When I say all this stuff, I'm not trying to throw a dig on Tom Scioli. It it so happens that this was, if I if I understand correctly, the GoBots book was a solo project of his, which is hell of impressive, no matter how it turned out. Uh, but I think that was also one of its biggest detriments. Is it, it read like storyboards? It read like it read as though the writer, artist, and inker were all the same person, uh, for better and definitely for worse. I think that there were some beats in that story that could have been absolutely incredible. Uh, delivered through a different artist's vision, to, and not even because Tom Scioli's was bad. They were good storyboards, but when someone else executes on that vision, usually they bring a quality to it that only enhances it, or a perspective you didn't have that only enhances it. Uh, and so that, coupled with how cramped that book was and how oddly rushed and and crowded it tended to feel uh i think that those really held it back when a lot of the bullet points were super solid uh and i say this with the caveat that it certainly wasn't the gobot story i wanted uh and certainly at times it felt a lot more like tom scioli just had seen three episodes and then had a list of words uh and a, a big google image search open of various robot pictures but there were some neat ideas in there it was it was very like I don't know how to put this. Very odd, very, very kind of nightmare dreamlike at times. Uh, there, there were some moments where I'm pretty sure someone got the really important thing over to him that, like in the old, like GoBot canon, they were all like actually like organic people stretched into these like transforming robot bodies. That was not the crux of Tom Scioli's GoBots, but sometimes the aesthetic felt like it was aware of that kind of weird point. Um, Anyway, I wish I wish that Tom Scioli had written the outlines and written the the script outlines and the roughs, and that someone else had you know done a real a real smooth slick uh, edit over top of that and gotten another person involved to cover the art duties. Uh, I think that could have come together to be something that was a lot stronger. Uh, I don't blame anyone who kind of dropped off during it. It just it just kept kind of it kept going. Uh, it had weird time skips. It, it, like I said, it read a lot like storyboards in the good and bad ways. And it threw in some cute things at the end. I called them cute because I saw them and I was like, ah, you dork. You actually don't really care about GoBots, but whatever you kind of do. But obviously, you, you know, your, your love is with something else. Uh, I've seen the, those, those parts rub some people way the wrong way. I don't blame you. But bear in mind, it's not like this is the only GoBots canon, you know? Uh, someday there will be better GoBot stories written. But this one was better than I expected. And as a trade, I would say, like, you know, give it a read if you're curious. If you read if you read G.I. Joe versus Transformers, like, you ought, you ought to take a look at this. If you like Tom Scioli, you should check this out. This is entirely his vision. Uh, and I think he did, he did a, a pretty fine job as a solo effort on it. Uh... And I say that as someone like I just I think I just don't jive with his sensibilities all that well. Um, there are things I do jive with that he did, which I guess made it all all the more at times a little frustrating. I had another parallel to draw, and it's it's insulting, and I, and I don't mean it to be. I just don't know another way to put it. It was the same frustration I felt watching playthroughs of Detroit, that video game David Cage did. Because David Cage, see, David Cage is a legitimate hack uh, who doesn't deserve the sheer amount of credit he gets for doing 
everything he people say he does. The best parts of his of his stuff are everyone else working on it. And in Detroit, the best parts of that game that really hooked me in were very unfinished storylines, mostly involving uh, Clancy Brown. And I give David Cage almost no credit for that, even though the actors give him credit for it. I'm sorry. I, th- I think that the actors are the ones and, and everyone else working on that thing are the ones who brought something good out of something that was not very good. That frustration is one I felt at times with GoBots, but I, I'm really quick to mention that I don't think Tom Scioli is a hack by any means. Uh, in fact, it, it was a point of interest to me that I, I felt that frustration when I'm like, Tom Scioli is far more adept at his craft than David Cage is, and the idea that I would be possibly putting them in the same box is, like, abhorrent to me. I just can't think of a... It's a, it's such a clear parallel, though, and it was frustrating. Anyway... I think you should check out Tom Scioli's GoBots. It's like, what, five issues? You know, now that it's all out, that's like an afternoon. Uh, give it a look. Just go in uh, without high expectations, and when you get to the cute part at the end, you know, if if it makes you want to gag, it makes you want to gag. But I don't know, turn on, turn on a little bit of that empathy and go like, listen, obviously someone here... You know, they wanted to do something with GoBots, but were also way more interested in something else at the end of the day. I don't know. Now now I sound like I'm trashing it. I'm not. I I was happy I read it. Um, I hope that we get another go at the GoBots through IDW. Because uh, I think that there there's all kinds of stuff to do with them. And I think that this did brush the surface uh, in some very interesting ways. What's our time? We've got one left here. All right. 45. On my little clock here, and I don't know what the edited time is, but I got one left. This is from uh, David, I guess, uh, damn you, Willis, on Twitter. Uh, I think that I think this I think this person draws a comic book on the internet. Uh, their question is, "What is the secret of the evil planet Unicron?" Good question, David. I guess um, the secret of the evil planet Unicron is quite straightforward. Unicron is brawn. Uh, just look at the two of them; they got the same shaped head. Like brawn, basically is unicron with no horns and no hair like he's a he's a baby unicron you know he's a shaved he's a shaved and scalped unicron uh they they have very similar body hue like that yellow that's on both of them it's pretty darn close in my opinion uh basically this is what happened right and then some people who do things on the internet about the canon of transformers who claim to know everything they're all trying to uh suppress the truth but don't worry you got people like me a free zoner uh here to tell you what's up you see, Braun got shot in the shoulder, and in, in, you know, in the, in the wikis and in the in the canons, they're like, "Ah, he's dead," and like, why submit y'all self into propagating the lies of of big fusion cannon? I don't care what what black hole your gun draws its its bullets from. You shoot someone in the shoulder who's a robot; they're gonna get back up. So. What happened? Now, granted, thankfully, that widescreen cut got out there. You know, big fusion cannon tried to suppress that cut for decades. Widescreen cut gets out of Transformers the movie, uh, 1986, and we saw, hey, wait a second, Braun appears to be plummeting towards Autobot City. Now, some people said, oh, well, you know, models are used incorrectly all the time. Fool, don't try to trick me. Uh, Braun, right, fell out of the ship and was just sort of lying there for the Battle of Autobot City. My boy got up. You know, but everyone was gone. And he's like, where'd you all go? And then he realized they abandoned him. So he's like, well, I'm out of here. I'm going into space. Anyway, long story short, he goes through a time vortex after floating through deep space for millennia, slowly growing. And and Unicron is what he became just through natural physical uh, evolution. Uh, so Ron is Unicron. That is a secret of the evil planet Unicron.
it's straightforward. Um, let's see. Oh, we got a couple more here. I'm going to throw in before the end. Uh, you folks are not from the ten, but I'm going to I'm going to put you. I might, I might forget to tag you if I remember to tag anyone on Twitter. But we got one here from SG Roadbuster uh, at sign Walter Lopez Junior three on Twitter. It says there seems to be a pretty big lack of discussion concerning the comics and cartoons lately. So. The main reason for that in the numbered episodes is I don't want the numbered episodes to be riddled with spoilers at any given time. If I can avoid it, I'd rather do dedicated recordings. We have done those here and there for the cartoons. For the comics, the main thing is I I end up, A, the big thing is I don't want to do like additional episode recordings right now because like we're all busy. Uh, and the podcast is, at the end of the day, an entirely voluntary thing we're all doing for free. So... I don't want to make it into more work than it needs to be. Uh, and I feel like comics discussion is really covered immensely by a, a couple of other podcasts. And I end up participating in those every now and then and then getting all my comics thoughts out there. So like Moonbase 2 and Transmissions, both, uh, they're not the only ones talking about the comics. They're just the ones I've, I've guessed it on now and then. Uh, when it comes to comics discussion, I'm so up for being on someone else's podcast. Also because... When it comes to talking about the comics, I do not have as encyclopedic a knowledge snap ready to go as a lot of other people do. When I hear things, I'll remember moments in the comics, but I don't, like, know how to lead a comics discussion all that well, and a lot of other people do. I'm so much more up for being on someone else's podcast about the comics than I am, like, trying to run one myself. Uh, with the cartoons, it really is just, like, how do you put this? I'm watching them. We talk about them now and then, but Rid and Cyberverse are not bad cartoons. In fact, I will defend those cartoons. But also, they are not cartoons that are built to have, in my opinion, with our group of hosts, episode-by-episode discussions. And then I, I sometimes just lose track of whether or not other people have talked about it, honestly. Uh, I guess I could do solo recordings at some point. And, and then when I say that, you know, all, everyone else is going to be like, no, we are keeping up. We're waiting for you to do something. So there you go. But uh, the main reasons are... A, I don't want to have, like, in-depth spoilery discussion on the numbered episodes, um, at least, like, you know, within a year of something coming out, if I can avoid it. And B, uh, doing dedicated podcasts all the time. Like, if we were trying to set up, like, two to three recordings per week, uh, I think we would all stop doing this. <laughs> and I'd rather keep doing it at our casual pace. Uh, that and, as I said, I just don't like leading comics discussion. I prefer participating in it. Um I'm not sure when it'll be up for the public. If you're a patron of, of Moonbase 2, I was recently on, I think, a Moonbase 2 woo-woo. I always forget with them which one it is. But it was me, and it was Mikey, and it was Genevieve. And we were having a pretty good talk about the uh, the back end of IDW. A lot of focus on Tau, to be honest. Uh, and I really like that discussion. Um, so poke uh, Moonbase 2 podcast and find out how you can listen to that, because it was really good. And uh, Genevieve had a big hand in some of the back-end RC stuff, like a lot of the, honestly, a lot of the cleanup of the IDWRC character, uh, and had some really cool insight to share in that podcast. So, uh, so check, check that out. Um, we got one here from Vikuroneko, but with a, with a Q. Uh, name is Medio Kerr Star. Uh, how would you distinguish between toys with quote-unquote old-school nostalgic charm Versus toys with just lazy engineering. I've seen opinions about how G1 Transformers being considered superior than its modern counterpart, regardless how the latter have more articulations and cleaner aesthetics. Uh, so there's this is actually something I can really dig into, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make this the last one because the only other reply I got while I was talking about all this was Colin the Knapp, who said, "Did I miss a Bumblebee Roundtable? No, you didn't. I talked about this before. Uh, I just have to organize one, and I will. But I want to get all this other stuff done first. Now it's on Blu-ray, so we can watch it whenever we want." Um, 
And you know what? It doesn't matter if we talked about it when it was still in theaters. I think it's better if we talk about it when we can rewatch it. <laughs> that way we're not all sitting there going like, did you? When the thing with the with with, with Braun in the opening, did he die? Because now we can frame by frame through it and see whether or not that's discernible. You know, did he get shot in the shoulder and then turn into movie first Unicron? We'll find out. Um, anyway, this question here. There's, there's things we can dig into here. Uh, the first one. when you, If you've seen opinions about G1 Transformers are, are superior to the modern counterparts, regardless of modern engineering and aesthetics, uh, that is basically, that is old school, old school nostalgic charm. That is the thing you can really open up depending, you know, from person to person. Uh, some people just find that older, clunkier aesthetic to be charming, uh, for real. Uh, some people find the simplicity of an older toy to be more engaging than something that's more meticulous, even if it is, like, you know, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, better on a modern toy. Uh, also, this is, I think, true, more true than I think a lot of folks will say, because, uh, you know, I've done this. There are a lot of folks who will also just say that because they think they're supposed to. Um, you know, hobbies are their own contained little cultures of people. And sometimes folks just get whether or not they mean to be. They get a little bit programmed as to how they're supposed to feel, quote unquote, about things. I often will see people on Twitter going like, hey, what's the consensus on? And I've resisted a lot of the time. I'm pretty sure not all the time. But a lot of the time I resist going like, it's subjective. There is no consensus. But, you know. Uh, that's just the way that humans talk, especially when, when operating in these like little subgroups we form around various different hobbies. Um, as for like, like old school nostalgic charm versus lazy engineering, like what I'll say is a lot of G1 toys, I would hesitate to call them lazy only because you got to think about the context of your perspective in 2019 versus the perspective in 1980, whatever, uh, or, you know, 1990, whatever, when, the notion of the transforming robot by that company was still so fresh uh, and so new. There were ideas, uh, like, A, there were ideas being tried out that were pretty silly. But B, there were also, like, ideas simply not known because, you know, some of the cleaner engineering that we know now is is built on the back of stuff that is kind of, like, you know, doofy and straightforward. Um, even on a materials level, like... Being able to test materials to, to handle bigger stresses or or be, you know, made out of smaller pieces or even if the materials could take it back then. Um, something that I think is a little bit muddied by reissues of old toys using modern polymers uh, that are maybe a little bit different in testing than older polymers. You know, I, I actually that's something I've always thought about but never been able to prove because I'm not sure anyone really wants to figure it out. I don't even know if it's important. It's just a thing that always crosses my mind. But um yeah, like, you know, if you're going to say, like, like newer toys have are, are more impressive, they have cleaner aesthetics and better articulation, like, 100%, I think newer Transformers toys are infinitely more interesting to me than any G1 toy. Uh, I realized that in the reissue boom, and as I got older as a collector going into my, my mid-20s, uh, being at BotCons, and realizing that, like, I feel very little out of getting a hold of a G1 Transformer that I didn't own as a kid or, or didn't lust after as a kid, um... And even then, some of the ones I lusted after ended up being like, oh, this was it, huh? Um, that's just my taste. And for a long time, I feel, in my recollections, I was a bit of a pariah uh, in that I would always say, like, I think the newer toys are just better than more exciting. And, you know, be like, hey, they got this hot, fresh reissue coming out. And I'd be like, that's cool. I, I, I'm kind of not interested, to be honest. I'd rather get one that has, like, all the joints. Uh, but, yeah, um... If, like, I, I guess what I'll also say is if you've seen opinions about, you know, something being superior and, and etc., like, people can have those, you know, as long as they aren't commanding to you that that is the only way. And if they are, 
one of the beauties of this fandom is in most cases, if someone is really trying to hammer it at you that they're right and you're wrong, you, you can very easily just make a plaster wall around them and go about your business and not hear them anymore. Uh, the, the fandom is, is so diverse now with so many avenues of communication. Granted, you have to be comfortable with, with a lot of them. If you're only comfortable with one or two, then it does limit things. But, you know, we've got Facebook groups, we've got Twitter, we've got um, message boards, we've got discords, uh, we've got Slack chats, most probably. Um, got still got Tumblr communities, I'm sure. Uh, and you don't you don't have to, you know, I don't know how to actually put this nicely. You don't really have to suffer the noise if you don't like it. Uh and we've certainly built up a sort of cavalier, romantic idea about, like, oh, I hear all perspectives on all sides. But, like, absolutely, that probably is quite important in life. But in your hobby, especially when, when it's in the, not even your whole hobby, in, in the context of a single IP franchise that perhaps is a lot of your hobby, it's, still, it's just Transformers. You don't have to take in and, and process and agree or respect every single transformers franchise opinion the more you can do the better and i and like i don't i don't go out of my way to like shut people down but it's like if 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 someone's like always hammering on you about a thing and it's becoming unpleasant especially if it's someone you know personally you just go like hey could you lay off with that a little bit you know and if they won't then you kind of maybe that tells you something about the person you know <laughs> but you you have no obligation to make room for that uh if if it becomes bothersome um the, uh, the one of the places where echo chambers completely completely and utterly justify themselves is when it's just about your hobby you know hobbies don't have to be combat they don't have to be debate uh, especially when there's so many more important things in the world right now especially right now uh to to you know to to open yourself up to the stress of all of that about uh there's no shame in wanting uh something as like intensely specific as transformers to just like be your thing when i say that like here's the caveat also don't just don't hammer how you do it on other people you know and uh and if you're getting hammered on don't hammer back you know be be rubber um and if you can like honestly you know for all that i said like make room for for other for other folks especially folks who do do you no harm you know uh transformers has become a very diverse fandom, and, and I maintain that. It's it's one of the most beautiful fandoms I've seen uh, for all of its faults and for all of its incredibly uh, undiverse times, or at least, like, like if the diversity was there, it sure was pretty darn quiet. Uh, we're in a real good place right now with so many people finding a comfort space uh, just around Transformers, like, not even around toys or around converting robots, but just around the umbrella that Transformers lays its fingers on, that being, like, medias, toys, uh, comic fictions, video games, etc. Like, I don't know, there's something beautiful about how many people have found something important in it, to me. Um, and, and, and nowadays, like, going to a TFCon, uh, and, and, and it's when I hear this from people I know who used to go to a lot of TFCons or, or BotCons, haven't for some years than you know went to one recently when they say like the the landscape is so much more different now and there's so many more more um i don't know if this is the right word this is this is my brain soon like so many more types of people and 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 also just like the convention is more colorful uh and that's not like a like like just in general you look at you look at the artist alley now uh you know we got we got working artists in there but we there are just like straight up like the earlier question here there there's like enough people working on fanzine material or fan made stuff that is not just 
an analog to toy customization or comic book art that it can occupy an entire space with a thriving, bustling number of people on a Saturday night at a TFCon. Uh, that's incredible. Anyway, what a, what a naturally showmanship way to close up a podcast. Go on to some kind of heart on my uh, shoulder strap yelling about how beautiful uh, a bunch of the fandom is. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> my voice is telling me to stop. Mm. Diet Coke will fix that. It won't. Don't do this. Uh, so anyway, that's been episode... Oh, God, I forgot the number. 557? Hang on, I gotta... What number was it? Turn on! 557 of uh, WTF-TFW. Uh, this this was a total slapdash experiment. Even as soon as, like, I think this morning I was going to do something else. But this is how the day panned out. And I, I liked doing this. I'm not going to do this constantly. Um, it's like that time that I re-recorded my own audio track while listening to the other two guys. Um... When it comes to this podcast, here, another one of these hard-on-my-sleeve moments. Uh, I may not do everything right. I may not do everything that we're supposed to do as a podcast, but I'm going to keep playing around with it and just doing my thing as long as I'm allowed to, uh, as, long, as long as I have the opportunity to, uh, something that is afforded to uh, myself by uh, TFW admin, you know, just letting me do this thing that has its own page and has a space to upload podcasts into. Uh, that, that means a lot. It, it It is not free to make podcasts all that often. <laughs> Uh, and I, I appreciate what I, what I've, uh, got available to me as far as the tool set. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I like, I like playing around with this whole thing. Um, trying to work it into, I guess a bit more, I, I am trying to work more of it into YouTube, uh, just also so that I can get it, A, get it out to a wider audience and B, get the most mileage out of the stuff I'm making. But little, little format changes like this, when they, when they gotta happen, you know, if someone's not around, eh, you know. It's not the end of the world. I, I like I like moving with the flow. If I ever get caught up on everything and I feel like I can just get it done, we might get more regular other podcasts going, or we might not. I might, or I might just do them primarily to go up on YouTube and then put an audio copy on here. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it all out. You know what's 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 the pressure? There is no pressure anymore. Uh, we've been at this for over ten years. Uh, I'm still excited about it, but I'm trying to teach myself that there's there's, there's no more pressure. Uh, and really, I don't think there ever should have been pressure. I think I, I tricked myself into thinking there were some pressures that didn't exist anymore. It's like the old pressure we used to have about all the different fan sites, message board communities not getting along. All that, uh, what do you call it, uh, internet first world tribalism that we all are, are always so ready to jump into. It was video game consoles and it was which website are you from. Uh, now it's like, how did you get into Transformers? Are you an 07 baby or are you an IDW person? Or blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, who cares? It's, it's, it's all, it's, none of it really matters. The, the only thing that matters is getting along with people, really. And, uh, and not being garbage to people that confuse you, you know? <laughs> like, be curious in life or something. Anyway, this is really becoming a YouTube live stream now that I'm seeing stuff like that. So I'm going to cut that off there. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, I don't know, come to a live stream and tell me to do more of them. But, uh, Tomorrow I'm recording a normal episode, and by the time you're hearing this, hopefully I've gotten some other normal episodes up. Whatever that, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's what I'll say. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for sticking with us if you've been with us for a while. Uh, and we'll talk to you later. Stay safe. It means, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.